When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 304, and today we are talking about books being released on March 30th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Lib, how's it going? Um, it's okay. Uh, it's already a million degrees in my office. Um, you and I talked about the usual things before we started recording. Books, state of the world, small furry animals. Yeah, nosy squirrels. Yeah. We have those now. <laughs> Not as many as we used to. A couple of years ago, there was like, it was like the squirrel apocalypse. There were so many around, which meant there were also so many on the road. It was like, ah, don't leave the house. So many squirrels. Mm. Now we just have a few, but they're still pretty nosy and entertaining and cute. Uh, so, remember how I told you last week, I think it was last week, that I really wanted a trampoline and my husband was like, you can't even yes. get through the day without- Did you without- get a trampoline? No. That would oh. be, the, that would be, this would be a happy story. This is a sad story. So, I have this, it's called Bitmoji. I don't know, some people probably have it on their phone where like it makes a little emoji that looks like you. Yeah, totally. And every day they have new ones. And so on Monday, they had one of, you know, your Bitmoji jumping on a trampoline. And I was like, yes, trampoline. It's, pr- it's probably because my phone is spying on me and it probably heard me asking for a trampoline. But I thought it would be funny to, like, send it to my husband while he was at work. And he's like, he came home and he's like, you're not getting a trampoline. And I was like, I want a trampoline. I can totally handle it. And then, like, an hour later, I was playing string with the cats and, like, they were chasing the string and I was running backwards and... I slipped in my stocking feet on the hardwood floor and banged my head really hard against the door frame. And I was like, oh, this is what he was talking about. So I have this big knot on the back of my head and I've had a headache for like a week. But no concussion, so that's good. Oh my God, you're killing me. But I still want a trampoline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to wear like a huge padded suit and a helmet. Yeah, that's fine. While you're on the trampoline. I watched all of Modern Family like over the last five weeks, which is a lot of TV. And there was an episode where Claire had one of those human hamster balls, like at the office where she was working. Like you get in the middle and like run in it. And I was like, I want to do that too. (laughs) Like that looks really fun. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And and where would you do that? Like in your yard? Yeah. I have a big backyard. So I'm like, those things, I'm like, uh, they'd get so hot and I'd get so sweaty. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad idea. But trampoline, that would be fun. So, yeah. <laughs> well, good luck. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. He said, it's almost like you made it happen by sending me that trampoline thing. I was like, I know. I was doing so good for like the past few days. I hadn't fallen down, banged anything, and then boom. It's tempting fate. I don't know. So I have my... I don't know the plural of this word. I should, since I've had them pierced for like 24 years. But I have my traguses, my tragi, 
the like you the front of your inner ear that little bump there oh yeah like that cartilage i've had it pierced since i was 20 and i've heard that having those done can throw off your balance but one i've never taken them out to find out if that's actually the case and two like i paid money for those why am i gonna take them out so that might be my problem i don't know but they look cool i fall down a lot but they look cool (laughs) i fall i run into things a lot but i look cool yeah yeah i used to have a pet rat and she used to sit on my shoulder and like hold on to one with her hand like she was riding on the bus like on the subway it was awesome anyway we're so off track now so off track but we are going to talk about books today but before we do that we're going to hear from a sponsor today's episode is brought to you by song of the silks realms by judy eyelid Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so Patricia, you're going to kick it off today. Absolutely. For my first book, I have Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere by Tzedal Neely. Yes, sometimes I read business books. My day job went fully remote last March, so remote work is something I do and think about every day. Siddal Neely is the Naylor Fitzhugh Professor of Business Administration at the Harvard Business School. The focus of her work is basically the globalization of the workforce. We see a lot of this at big companies, not only tech companies, but also companies like Coca-Cola, which has teams in different regions of the world. The COVID-19 pandemic forced many of us suddenly into a situation where we are working remotely. 
Some people thrive in it. I like to think that I do. And many people also have a really hard time. Many managers never had to cultivate the necessary skills to manage a remote team or even a hybrid team. So enter this book, Remote Work Revolution. This book is so necessary and so useful. And even though I wish it were available a year ago, I'm really happy it's available now. What I love about this book is that it has concrete, actionable items. It makes things really clear about how you can better build a cohesive team and foster connections between remote team members. There are also illustrations and interactive tools and exercises to help guide people along the way. And while I think this is a great book for managers, I think that everyone who works remotely would be able to get things out of it. There's a lot in this book about trust. The teams that do the best work together usually have a lot of trust in one another. And Neely talks about different kinds of trust and how they are created and strengthened. One of these ways is through having a virtual social space for the team, such as a Slack or Discord or Microsoft Teams or something. One of my day job teammates and I set up a Slack almost immediately after we all got shoved into remote work, and it's really helped our team stay close. I really appreciate the section where Neely talks about surveillance software and how when it comes down to it, it's really demoralizing, and it doesn't necessarily mean more or better work is getting done. There are sections specifically on how to lead remotely, as well as how to lead and work across differences. The examples on the latter were a lot about global teams, but I feel like it could even pertain to teams that are maybe all in one place, but the members are from diverse backgrounds. And I think the biggest takeaway is that this book has great information for both large multinational teams and even smaller teams who suddenly, as many of us did, found ourselves working remotely, and may continue to do so. I really recommend this book. It's Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere by Sadal Neely. My first pick today is The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walden. Uh, I'm just going to get this out of the way because you are going to hear this other book mentioned in every single review you read of this. It is an oral history about a band in the 70s, much like Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, and I'm always conflicted when I compare one book to another book because I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, they're stealing this idea or it isn't original because this book is so original on its own and it's incredible. You know, And also, I feel like you know, like when I compare The Orchard to The Secret History, you know, that brings all the Secret History fans to the yard. So, you know, I'm happy to, if you love Daisy Jones and the Six, like run for this book. So like I said, it is an oral history of a fictional band. And it's an interview that's being carried out by a woman named Sunny. She is a music journalist. Her father was also a very famous drummer. And she wants to hear about the story of... Opal Jewel and Neville Charles, who are two musicians who worked together for a very short time uh, in the in the late 60s, early 70s. So Opal is a young black woman. She was born in Detroit. She spent some time in Birmingham. She spent her summers in Birmingham with her sister Pearl, who is actually a stronger singer than Opal. But her sister uh, was very religious and she married a minister and gave up singing Although before that happened, she and Opal would attend open mics in Detroit. And now Neville Charles is a young man from England. 
and he's really into music. His mom was a big help. She like just believed in him, uh, and she died when he was young, and, and he's like carrying out her dream for him. Uh, he's also very talented. He's quirky. He writes cool lyrics, and he gets a settlement from his dad uh, when his dad sells his business, and he decides to go to New York, and he gets a, a recording contract almost immediately. He, he starts working at the studio, but... He thinks that something is missing and his producer thinks something is missing and they want to like replicate the sound of like Mick Jagger and Mary Clayton on Gimme Shelter at that time. It was very popular. And they start going around looking for a young black woman to sing with him on his record. They go to Detroit. They go all over the place looking for the perfect singer and he can't find her. And then they go to Detroit and he sees Opal. And like I said, she's not as strong a singer as her sister Pearl, but she just has something that he thinks is magical and she has he can see that she has the potential and he offers her the job and and his producer signs her and she moves to new york city and you know like I said, she has her neighbor upstairs when she moves to new york like first she's like worried like what am i doing i'm a phony what am i doing here you know but thanks to the help from her upstairs neighbor virgil he constructs this whole amazing look for her and she goes to the studio and she she wows everybody and this is the start of their very short time as you know musicians working together and it ends when there is a concert that they are giving and there's a tragedy that takes place there's some violence and there's a famous photo taken and there's like discussions and documentaries about this photo and you know Sunny the interviewer wants to get to the bottom of this because the tragedy that took place at this concert was that her father, who was the set drummer for Opal and Nev, uh, was killed at this concert. And she wants to know, like, the story of, like, how, what happened and, you know, the relationship that Opal and Nev had, you know, despite the fact that her father was married. I'm not telling you anything that isn't listed in the description. And then years later, many, 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 many years later, uh, they're going to give a reunion concert and or they're going to headline a concert, you know, and, and have a reunion, I should say. Um, and they have to set aside their differences. But there are still some secrets to be told. I loved how fully fleshed out these characters were. I loved this format. I remember because, you know, I'm 45. I remember, you know, Rolling Stone was the magazine that I read cover to cover every time it came out. And it, you'd read these interviews with people and this is how they sound. Like these interviews feel real. You forget that these people are not real, especially because all the details, you know, from history and the other bands that, that Walton discusses are actually real. So it feels so real. And it's, I found it to be a little slow to start, like when we're, especially the part where we're starting to learn about Neville when he was young, but then it gets going and it's just, it's just incredible. It's a really excellent examination through fiction of the exploitation of musicians, of people of color, of women uh, back then, you know, in the industry, um, of the racism of the 60s and 70s. The dialogue is is great. I find sometimes that when there's a lot of dialogue in a book, you know, you need that dialogue for the sake of fiction. Like, you need characters to say certain things to get stories out, but sometimes they sound more like a villain monologue at the end of a mystery where they're like, here's what I did and why. These, these interviews feel real. They feel like real people. And this is Donnie Walton's debut. Like, this is her first book. It's so amazing. I really wish I could sit down and listen to this music because she just brings it to life. I want to give content warnings for mentions of racism, racialized violence and language, illness, death, assault, chemical use and dependency, and sexism. That is The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. 
For my next pick, I have Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection by Jimena Vengochea. Full disclosure, I haven't finished reading this book yet. I'm about 80% through it. That being said, I really, really like it and definitely wanted to share it with all of you. Jimena Vengochea is a user researcher, writer, and illustrator, and this book takes a lot of what she has learned in her professional life about listening and communication and teaches us how it can be applied in our own lives, both professionally and personally. A big part of her day job in user research is, you guessed it, interviewing users. She specifically works in technology, so many of her anecdotes are about interviewing users about mobile apps and websites and such. I used to give lectures on communication skills, and this book allowed me to nerd out so much. It was really great. It also has some exercises, and I love a book with an exercise. The first part is about setting the stage. The author walks you through cultivating a listening mindset. Beyond, of course, just putting your phone down and paying attention, she writes about surface listening versus listening with empathy, and not only hearing the words, but recognizing the feelings behind what the other person or people are saying. One of the things I love is how she writes about curiosity. Curiosity is something I absolutely must have in my day job, and the author explains how it can be used in all types of conversations as a tool for better listening and understanding. She talks a lot about other things that are important to listening, like watching someone's behavior and body language, and I promise you this isn't one of those weird self-help books that's like, I'm going to teach you how to learn someone's darkest secrets by the way they hold their arms or something like that. This book has legitimate tips on being a better listener. And I think that's what I appreciate most about this book. It takes a life skill that I think everyone should learn in school, but doesn't, and makes it approachable in a way that helps you realize we can all learn how to listen better. Also, she is an illustrator and she has a lot of little helpful illustrations that tie the information together that I really enjoy. Like I said, I'm really enjoying this book. It's Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection by Jimena Vengochea. Can you really tell someone's darkest secrets by how they fold their arms? Uh, no, no. No? Lies! <laughs> I was going to say, I'm glad that we're, we're not on a Zoom call. <laughs> I know we're not on Zoom for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I could record the podcast if... If I had to do it on camera every week, I already get nervous enough just with the microphone. I think I would just laugh even more because, I don't know, I also, like, my face doesn't have an inside voice. It's just, <laughs> my face does its own thing. So, yeah, I think I think I might be too distracting. There was that one time where I fell off the stool while I was recording. That would have been funny to capture on camera. At least it would have been for Rebecca. Or there was the time we were recording and one of your cats just turned off the light on you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, there's so many things that people don't get to hear because we edit them out. (laughs) Like earlier in the show when I started talking and all of a sudden it sounded like a submarine was coming through my room. I still don't know what that sound was. (laughs) But yeah, so I wish we had saved some of the outtakes. There is a good episode where you could hear a bookcase in my office fall over. And Rebecca's like, um, you okay? And I was like, oh, I'm fine. (laughs) But it did sound like my house had just come down. (laughs) Oh, books. 
All right. Speaking of books, let me tell you about my next pick. It is Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. This novel is so beautiful and lyrical. It is a novel about five generations of Cuban women, as well as a woman from El Salvador and her daughter. But it does start, it kind of goes back and forth through time. It starts with a letter uh, from a mother to her daughter, but then it goes to the 1800s in Cuba. The matriarch of the family is Maria Isabel. She is the only female worker at a cigar rolling factory, and she's being courted by the man uh, who oversees them. He reads books to the workers. He also starts reading stuff that the, the company doesn't approve of. There's a bit of revolution, and this is taking place during, at the beginning of the Ten Years' War, uh, where Cuba fought for independence from Spain. Um, and Maria ends up getting married, and she has a child, and also tragedy strikes at this time. And then it's the story of her offspring, her her daughters and granddaughters and great-granddaughters. Uh, there's Carmen, who is a first-generation Cuban immigrant who lives in Miami. Uh, she's elderly now. She's wealthy. And she has a daughter, Jeanette, who she doesn't speak to very often. Carmen and Jeanette have had kind of an estranged relationship, even more so since Jeanette's father died. And Jeanette also has... Uh, she's trying to get over a chemical dependency, and she's hiding out from her ex-boyfriend. She had a very toxic relationship with him. And while Jeanette is at home one day, she sees her neighbor being taken away by ice. And she doesn't really know the woman that lived next door. She saw her with her young daughter. But then the next day, her young daughter, Anna, shows up at Jeanette's door and asks if she knows where her mom is. And Jeanette doesn't know what to do. She wants to do the right thing, Against everyone else's advice, they keep telling her she needs to call the police and it's not her problem and, you know, give Anna to somebody else. She decides to keep Anna with her. Um, and in some ways, she sees this as saving herself while she's trying to help Anna. And we also hear from Anna's mother, uh, her travels from El Salvador, her life in the States as an undocumented immigrant. And I don't want to discourage people from reading this book, but this book is a lot. It's you know, very realistic and, you know, explains, you know, things that happen to undocumented immigrants and and women, you know, and so in parts, it's very sad and upsetting and violent. Um, You know, I want to give content warnings for political violence, intimate partner violence, sexual assault, child sexual assault, chemical use and dependency. It's, you know, it's very, so like, if you're like, I am not ready for something this heavy, then this is not the book to read right now. But you should set it aside for another day because the writing is incredible. It's the story is nonlinear and it's just like reading poetry. And then it sometimes it's in the first person, sometimes it's in the third person. There's a section about birds. I just thought it was beautiful. It is very sad, but it's beautiful. And it's about people taking control of their own stories and their own past. And it is Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. That sounds like, yeah, a heavy book. <laughs> It is. It really, I know. And I hate saying that it is because I don't want people to be like, but I mean, I get it. You know, if you're someplace where you're like, I can't read that right now, then then don't. You know, it's nothing against the book. It's, you know, what you need to do for yourself. Take care of yourself. Totally. I have another book, of course. Yay. It is. (laughs) Yay, books. It is Black Girl Call Home Poems by Jasmine Manns. This book actually came out on March 9th, but I really wanted to share it with all of you. I haven't felt so many feelings at once this way while reading a book in a long, long time. 
Jasmine Manns is a spoken word poet, and the book is described as, quote, an unforgettable poetry collection about race, feminism, and queer identity. But I feel like that's a huge oversimplification. The poems in this book are just so much. So much what? So much everything. So much pain, so much joy, so much passion, so much memory, so much generational trauma, so much community. It's just, it's a lot. And I'm amazed I read it as quickly as I did because every few poems I would come across a line or a stanza and I would have to put the book down and just stare into space or take a walk around our apartment as if her words made my brain blue screen and I had to wait for my mind to get back online. And some of these poems were very hard to read, not due to complexity, but due to the raw emotion. So lots of content warnings for violence, anti-Black racism, violence against Black women and other Black people. For example, one of the poems is from the point of view of one of the little girls that died in the 1963 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in Birmingham, Alabama. There are so many poems in memory of, in honor of Sandra Bland, in honor of Whitney Houston, in honor of the countless Black women mutilated and terrorized by American doctors in the name of science. There are poems of love and loss and love that led to loss, and not only romantic love, but love between mother and daughter or the love of grandmothers and aunties. There is a poem titled Footnotes for Kanye that I feel hits even harder now that Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's divorce was announced. I am both changed and seen by this poetry collection. Highly recommend it. It's Black Girl Call Home Poems by Jasmine Manns. Okay. I have that here, but I haven't read it yet, but I look forward to reading it. I, I always want to read more poetry, and then I never do. I don't know why that is. I think I've started reading a bit more poetry than usual this year. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a poetry mood. I don't know. Yeah, plus the, you know... The the length helps too. Like if if your brain can't concentrate and you know, I mean, sometimes the subject matter is you know so sad and but it's always beautiful. But I mean, you can just like read a poem and it's like you can sit and think about that forever. Exactly. You know, and you don't have to to keep going to find out like what happens next. You know, <laughs> I, sh- I did try to read a book of poetry a few weeks ago. I'm not going to say what it was because I didn't enjoy it. But I started it and I was like, oh no no, this is this is not for me. Not for liberties. No. So I don't know. Maybe I'll read this this weekend. So my last pick today, because I'm only doing three books today, because I need some fabulous books for the newsletter. You know, I try to remind you that I do the, do the new books newsletter, which is more titles coming out this week that I also read. And sometimes I have to save some from the newsletter if I don't have like a million that I love. So my last pick for today is actually the first of the trilogy, the second of which is coming out today. Uh, it is The Silence of the White City by Eva Garcia Signs. I talked about this when it came out, but I wanted to remind you that it was coming out because I just think this series is so great. The second book, uh, if you have read the first one, is called The Water Rituals, and it is out today. And then the third one is coming out in not that long, like three months, four months. The Lords of Time comes out July 6th. 
But this is a best-selling series. It's one of the best-selling books of all time in Spain. And they've made movies. And when it came out last year, I was really hoping, like, it would get a bigger audience here and more people would glom onto it and it would get kind of like that girl with the dragon tattoo or let the right one in kind of treatment where they turn it into you know, an English movie, too. And everybody talks about it. It's a big hit um, because it's so cool. It's a mystery. It has eccentric detectives with cool nicknames and painful pasts and a seriously disturbed killer. And it's about an inspector in Spain. His name is Inspector Unai, but he goes by the Kraken. Well, he doesn't go by it, but that's what everybody calls him. At the beginning of the book, he is called to a crime scene. It's in the crypt under a church, and there are two bodies of young people posed there. And it's identical to killings, pretty pretty identical to killings that took place 20 years earlier. And the problem is that the killer of from 20 years ago was caught. He was a famed archaeologist, and he was arrested, and he's been put in jail. And even more fascinating was that the archaeologist had a twin brother on the police force. He was the detective who actually arrested his twin brother. Uh, and so the guy's been in jail for 20 years. So do they have the wrong guy? Did he have an accomplice? Like, what is even going on now? So, of course, Kraken, along with his partner, must figure it out before the killer or killers strike again. This has, it gave me, like, a little bit of Dan Brown, Robert Langdon vibes, which I find interesting because I read The Da Vinci Code when it came out, which was, I don't even know how long ago now, and I haven't read it since. But it's still, like, I still felt those vibes uh, mixed in with some Silence of the Lambs and The Alienist. Um, we were just, I was just talking about, you know, books that get compared to other books. There are probably a lot of earlier examples of police interviewing one killer to catch another killer, uh, but Silence of the Lambs is the most famous. So, you know, indeed, Kraken goes to talk to um, the detective's twin brother who's in jail uh, to find out anything that he can, you know, like, how is he carrying these out from jail? Or does he know who it is? Uh, which is very, you know, Hannibal Lecter, Clarice, quid pro quo. The second book is about the murder of a former lover of the Krakens, and again, he must find the killer. These books are super engrossing and super gruesome, but, like, the characters are so fully developed. I was really invested in their lives, and I loved their police work. I loved the setting. The setting is absolutely gorgeous, like, all the places in Spain that the author talks about. You know, sometimes I think about like, oh, there's so many beautiful places in, in the country I live in. And then I read about places where the buildings are like a thousand years old. And I'm like, our buildings are so new compared to these. And you hear about so many of them in Spain. And it's so cool. I can't imagine living in a building that was like a thousand years old or even visiting one that old, um, which probably many of you have. You've probably traveled before the whole pandemic and, and seen these things. I used to live in Portsmouth, New Hampshire and would rent apartments in buildings that were built in like the 1700s and the 1800s. And that felt very old to me. So someday I would like to see a building that is even older. But I have once again gotten sidetracked. Uh, so I just love a mystery that delves deep into the character psyches as well as the setting. And if you love that too, then this book is for you. This series is for you. Uh, the first one is The Silence of the White City. The second one out today is called The Water Rituals. They are by Eva Garcia Signs. And now I think we're going to take a break for a sponsor. Yes! Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. 
haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet, we dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. For my final book, I'm so excited to tell you about this. My last book is Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual by Lovey Ajayi Jones. This book came out on March 2nd, but I could not let another episode go by without telling you all about it. I loved this book. I love it so much. I listened to it on audiobook, and then I bought a physical copy because I need to go through and highlight so much. So many absolute gems of wisdom, many of which I have said to other people myself, but I needed someone to say these things to me, and this book is an absolute gift. The book is divided into three sections, B, Say, and Do. In the first section, B, the author talks about the internal work we need to do if we're going to fight our own fears. This means dealing with our own insecurities, our self-sabotage, and our baggage. Something about this book that I love so much is that it is an ode to her grandmother, who sounds like an incredibly fierce, amazing powerhouse of a woman. Jones brings in many anecdotes about her grandmother, as well as many Nigerian cultural traditions that can, in turn, help all of us to fight our fears. Jones talks about how so many of us are told that we are too much, too loud, too aggressive, too passionate, too intimidating, too sensitive, and that when people are saying you're too this or too that, 
What they're really saying is, can you be less? Can you be less than you are? Can you make yourself small for me? And surprise, the lesson here is that it's not our job to shrink ourselves to make other people comfortable unless our too muchness is actually harming someone or hindering our own growth. So much of this book is about owning your own awesomeness, fighting imposter syndrome, and doing things even if you're scared. I loved listening to this on audiobook because it really felt like just hours of the author gassing me up, and it was fantastic. There were two chapters in particular that I really needed to hear slash read. One was about asking for more and letting loved ones help you. There is no award for being independent and doing everything yourself and running yourself into the ground. Like, no one's going to give me a trophy for not needing anyone. The people who love you want to help you. The other chapter I needed to hear slash read was about money and asking for what we are worth. Yes, capitalism is garbage, and I can't wait for it to fall, and we can eat the rich, etc. But in the meantime, we should all be getting paid fairly for our work. She talks about how women especially don't ask for money, and on the other side of things, women get admonished for asking for money, like women ourselves are charities or something. And Joan gets into negotiating salaries, which I really, really appreciate. And at one point, when I think she was talking about speaking fees, she said something like, I am not expensive, I am valuable. And now I want that phrase just tattooed across my chest. So good. This book is an absolute treasure. I'll probably be buying a bunch of copies for a bunch of people. It's Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual by Lovey Ajayi Jones. Okay, those are our new books. What are you going to read next? I'm reading a book that was supposed to come out in March, but now it got pushed to April. It is Goodbye Again by Johnny Sun. All right. I am playing my favorite weekend game. We are recording this a little later than we usually do, so it's the weekend. Maybe that's why I'm extra wacky today. And I like to read a few books at once, especially when I cannot decide which one I want to read. I will read a chapter and then read a chapter in the next book and read a chapter in the next book and like keep cycling through until I finish. And that is what I've been doing. I started Oh, William, which is the new novel from Elizabeth Strout that comes out in October, as well as a book that I've been dying to get my hands on, Reprieve by James Han Matson, which is a horror mystery. And I'm also reading uh, the Led Zeppelin biography that's coming out, I think it's in the fall, from Bob Spitz, who wrote that big, enormous Beatles biography. Uh, So I've just been cycling through those. It's a fun game. I don't think I could do it if I had a lot of space in between. I would forget what was going on. But since I'm doing it all in like a day, it's it's pretty great. And, you know, sometimes you just have to do things to keep yourself entertained. Uh, So (laughs) I love a book game. Yeah, normally I'm reading like a physical book and then I'm reading an audio book at the same time and I switch back and forth, but I haven't yet. I just finished an audio book and so I haven't picked out my new one yet. So. That's on today's schedule as well. That's exciting. I was actually surprised to learn recently um, how many people read along while listening to an audiobook. So it's kind of like you're being read to, but also you're reading. Oh, interesting. And I I could see that. Like, I remember when my mom used to read to us. I mean, she read to us until I was like 10 or 11, and I would just sit beside her and also read the words. So it's kind of like that. I mean, I'm curious as as to why some people do that, but it sounds fun. You know, maybe I should try that sometime. Yeah, I think I did do that with one book. When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron, I 
there were some parts where like it just what she was saying wasn't registering on audio, but like it helped to also see the words while hearing them because there's just a lot in that book. That's cool. So it helped me understand it better. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. I, I had no idea that so many people did that, but I think it's cool. Someday I'm going to listen to an audiobook someday. <laughs> How long have I been saying that? As long as we've been doing the show, at least. But uh, that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who has to take out the submarine today. Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to talk about submarines or audiobooks or anything else. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at the info file, which is T H E I N F O P H I L E. Uh, I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. Thank you. Thank you so much to all of you wonderful people out there who have been doing this. It really helps us and we appreciate it more than I could say, at least in a very quick fashion. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.